And now, The Moment with Brian Koppelman. Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. Tony Gilroy is my guest today. Tony's simply one of the great living screenwriters uh, and filmmakers in the world today. Uh, he wrote and directed Michael Clayton. He wrote and directed The Bourne Legacy um, and has written The Bourne Ultimatum, The Bourne Supremacy, and The Bourne Identity, among many other films. One of the smartest guys I know, one of the most interesting guys I know, and um, as an artist, uh, somebody who inspires me all the time uh, because he will not compromise on what is essential. And he took that position um, long before the business um, accorded him uh, the permission to do so um, and has earned uh, the right um, to continue to pursue his creative vision in exactly the way that uh, he sees it, which is not an easy thing uh, to pull off on any level. It never has been, but this is probably the most difficult time in the traditional movie business to do that. So Tony Gilroy will be on her second. He's walking in now, and um, we'll start talking. Thanks for listening. Tony Gilroy uh, is here. Thanks for doing this. Wow, we're on? Yeah, this is it. Well, it started. It's just like that. This is the moment. Did huh? you want fanfare? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, where's that? my theme song? I, don't know. <laughs> you want, well, I have one. Do you have the theme song? You forgot to give it to the orchestra. you got to give it to the orchestra. Yeah. Paul Anka actually wrote my theme song. Paul Anka. <laughs> let me tell you something. Paul Anka once said to me, and we put it directly in a movie. He said, uh, he said, um, always make sure that uh, a good dentist fixes your teeth. You get a great guy to cut your suits, and when it comes to sports betting, that you have the absolute best information. Well, I don't have any good Paul Anka stories. You brought him up. I know. Well, he's he played at Bo. <laughs> Never mind. I'm going to stay away from that. No, no, no. 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 What? He, what do you do? Bo Deedle. No, you know Bo yeah, Deedle. Yeah, Bo Deedle threw like one of the most satiricon birthday parties ever at at, uh, at Cipriani one night, and, and I, I did a television pilot based on Bo's life many, many, many years ago, and so became a good friend of his in an interesting way. And Paul Anka's orchestra played that night. So that's my only. Connection. So Paul was singing. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. It was whole. Yeah, like a like. Remember when Count Basie's in Blazing Saddles? It was kind of like that. It was I like, find it's hilarious <laughs> that you brought up Paul because we, we talk about him all the time for a few reasons, Dave and I. Because I can't okay. believe no, I never talk about him on the okay. show. I don't want to no be because no, no, never on the show because um he's the last living saloon singer, really. Like I guess Wayne Newton, but Paul's the last guy who really was connected to Frank in that way. He's the last one of those tough guys. We. You seem like you had an interaction with him. No, I never did. No, no. I'm, I'm trying to think if I have anything, anything, no, it, you know. It, it's fine. I'll just say that. Cogent we, to say about uh, Paul Anka. He was just one of the last of those tough guys who came up in the saloons. And um, I'm, I'm, I always find those people because, and I'll tell you, they had to become successful um, on their own terms in a very difficult time. Well, I don't even know about You know what? The guy's a maker. He makes stuff. He made a lot of stuff. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't along for the ride. He wasn't a performer, really. He was a maker. Yes, he created you know, things and, and had to then build a persona. But the Thanks, it's funny. I was thinking about this walking over here, Tony, and um, I was flashing on a walk you and I took. Uh, so we met um, when our kids were in kindergarten I in know. the same school, right? I know. And now they're in college, and. Um, I remember that we were on um, guard duty one afternoon. 
Oh, did had, we do the safety patrol? We walked around the New York City block. Yeah, okay. And it was, um, you know, as you know, like the thing I'm so interested in and the thing I'm always chasing is how people who accomplish remarkable things process like big moments, big ups or downs. And I, I don't even know if you're going to remember this, but it was so um, inspiring for me to watch, which is that you were a, uh, a successful screenwriter. You'd had um, a notable career that you were in, in the middle of. But uh, Born, the first Born movie, you were telling me the stories we were walking around the block, was in trouble. You had, uh, and you weren't sure sort of like how it was going to all land. Um, and you weren't sure about... Uh, you. This must have been right around 9-11. Well, this yeah. must have been the 9-11, because this is, that's when 9-11... It was right at nine eleven, so we must have been walking. It must have been that year. Well, yeah, because our yeah. it was because our yeah. kids started school on um, September tenth. Yeah, nine eleven kind of saved that movie. How? How? Because it stalled everything out so much that we couldn't release it. So we we'd already been repairing it for the summer, and then uh, it gave a lot more. It, it, I mean, I've, I've said this story before. I, I, I think I put it. I think I've said it too many times, but there was a. And you couldn't put bombs in movies anymore. There were a bunch of right. people. You, you, the, 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 the temperature of the audience and of the civilization right after 9-11 was, uh, it's hard to really remember how, how, uh, how off navigation everybody was. And so you, the, the idea that you would ever have a movie with explosions and gunfire ever again, so we, we were just on stall. So it actually stalled out the release of the movie in a way that let us fix it. It let further. you figure out what was wrong and how to yeah, get in there yeah, and, and fix yeah. it. But, um, but part of what I'm, I'm curious about is what was going through your mind about the push that you were about to make creatively? Because it seems like um, it seems like you were a working successful screenwriter, but that something happened to you around then that kicked things into an entirely different gear creatively, or you found a way to get the work that you were doing through the system without um, them dinging it up too much. And whereas before, it, it seems just looking at it, like you could just draw a line between the, the, the movies before that and the movies after that led to you making Michael Clayton. And I, I don't know. I was kind of living a lie. It? I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I took great stock in uh, trying to be phony, you know, uh, uh, artificial stock and trying to be the best at something, you know. And so I found this thing and I was and, – and after a lot of – after trying a lot of different things in my life because I tried a lot of different things, I was oh, this is a thing I'm really good at. So then I – when I was rewarded and, you know, and, 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 uh, and I liked it, I kind of goosed myself into the delusion that, you know, oh, it's really good to be an alien. I'll be the, you know, I'll be the, I'll be the dude, you know, I'll be, I'll be like a, I'll be the screenwriter kind of thing. And, and it's a really, and, and it, 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 I mean, doing rewrites, doing the studio. No, just everything. I'll, right. I'll just be the, you know, I want to be the cat. You right. Know? I want to be, and I, and I kind of messed up a lot of things that I did in my life by, by that kind of thinking. And at that point, I was really starting to get free and going, what are you doing? I was actually getting younger. (laughs) I really was. I was, I was actually having my, my, my adolescence at that point in a a creatively. And I was like, what are you, I'm sorry, what are you, you can say whatever you want. What are you doing? You're, 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 uh, you're a dancing bear, you know? And, and, and I, and I, and then you're working for people that, not in every case, but 
often working for people that you, you don't respect and or not respect, but you just think this is the leader of men or whatever. So I was at I was at that point of going like I, I and I so I dilute I, that was the point where I was beginning to shed um, any delusions I had about proficiency and whatever. And I was like, man, I got to make my own movie. And so I, I, it was it was a lot harder to do than I thought at that point. But that's at the moment where I was really I was really committed to the idea of getting out of my room. Yeah. Do you remember what like how you began? You know, so many people find themselves um, in the middle of like, uh, as you know, like an unexamined life or a life uh, that satisfied these initial goals. And then they and what you did, because, you know, you went from being yeah one of the super successful guys to being, you know, one of the foremost artists. And that's a, a very difficult You're going thing. way too far, Brian, but I'll go with you. Look, here. Okay. Uh, you were smart enough to cast me and Michael Clayton. So to <laughs> okay. me, that's well, a foremost go, artist. But okay. no, but you did. Um, really flip the script. And in Hollywood, it's very difficult to get people to look at you differently. Yeah, I mean, you know, you make your first movie at 50. You know, I directed my first movie at 50. Um, I I look at it much more personally. I just, to me, it's a personal thing. And I, I, I really, uh, I've made a couple sort of really key um, sort of seismic decisions in my life uh, that really were that kind of decision where you sort of where it's kind of kind of silly like you wouldn't really write it that way but you go to sort of go oh the guys right and I was like wow I can't and I'd had a movie I, I wrote a movie a few years earlier than that that's kind of the best thing I ever wrote and I and I and uh, it Which, would have been a life changer and I should have done it and I didn't and I and I and I had I had completely f-ed up by being sort of really tentative about it and. I sabotaged myself in a number of ways, and I and I let the moment go by, and so I was already sort of watching that in the rearview mirror, going like, "Wow, I let this thing go by." So you, you you see a lot of that reflected in Clayton in this in the script, and and and, and, yeah. and so I was at the moment I was like, "Wow, this I, I can't let this happen again," and um, I wasn't worried. Uh, I mean, the one good thing is I have to say by that point I had a really good hole and I could stay in it, so I, I wasn't worried about I really wasn't worried about money, like just to sustain not to not to be uh, you know yeah, not you knew to be, your family was going to eat yeah, not to be keep... jay-z but sure. i was like you know i'm like all right i can i can see how i can live out my life making dough doing this i'm good at this other job so um but it, it was really man i gotta i gotta i gotta get free and i i, I gotta stop uh i have to stop respecting uh <laughs> proficiency and uh uh, virtuosity and wanting to be—I have to stop respecting all that stuff in a way. You mean you had to figure out like what your internal, your own like, um, your own master was, not whatever these I, received wisdom was. Of what you I got to stop worrying about like where I fit in shit and how I'm, and and just like swing away. I, I really got younger. I have to say, I'm perpetually—I feel like I'm perpetually. Uh, uh, I look back at my. I look back at my life and I look at myself when I was like 18 or 19 years old and I go, what a tight ass. And like, <laughs> what was wrong with you? And why did you not like swing away? And so I, I, I find myself, I'm hoping that that's the offset <laughs> for yeah. deteriorating energy and deteriorating testosterone and deteriorating everything. I'm hoping that that, that the offset is, is this, is this really, uh, 
Anyway, that's my... No, is the understanding... <laughs> that's that the, that's concept, the lie. That is the lie I'm telling the myself current lie. now. That's, that's a current hel- lie. Yeah. That's a cur- uh, healthier current lie. Exactly. Well, which is that... that Very um, good. There we go. That you make the trade-off for having some kind of See, an See, Richie told me I'd get in trouble in an hour, and I'm already in trouble. There you go. Oh, LeGravene. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. You're in no trouble, dude. You are You're in no trouble. Because what you said about Clayton um, strikes me as true, because it's about... I mean, it's about a lot of things, but it's about a guy... Uh, I'm really looking at the compromises that he's made and the reasons that he's made them and then knowing that um, that he's got to reach the moment where it has to change. Did you – were you talking to people, getting people's counsel or was it all an internal thing? Were you walking the city and realizing like this is the the time that I I have to to do it? Because you said a bunch of stuff that is worth unpacking. Um, You know, I have a lot of – it would be vainglorious to say that I did it all myself. I mean, you're talking about coming to like sort of life decisions. I mean, I have a lot of really fantastic people around me that 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 really care about me, that have a historical perspective of the business that we're in, and all the rest of that. But but um, so I mean, you're constantly feeding off all that stuff all the time. But I will say that um, I think that if you're going to sort of identify what's the some of the basic DNA, I'm very autodidactic. Everything I ever did. I, I, I did myself and I taught myself. I, I, school was nothing for I mean, school was literally nothing for me all the way, nothing. Um, everything I want to know, I always went and found out and I kind of went on my own. Explore. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that are uh, uh, not productive about that. It's not really a good workflow all the time, but, but that's, so I, I think it was a personal, mostly a personal conversation. You look, we spend time in, how much time do we live in a room? <laughs> No, we do. Yeah, I mean, I, I spent the bulk of my life. I've spent in a room by myself. <laughs> no thinking. <laughs> no, I know. And right. Well, well, let's, let's not talk about what's been going on in there. But yeah. in the bulk of the time, I spent alone. I in once a room. said to you. I once walked you to your office after like a, this going in. I go, uh, "Hey, can I see your office?" You go, "No, nobody can." No, man, you don't want to see what's in there. It's really funny because I have the pimped out. I'll just. This is a really parenthetical. I share, I had an office for seventeen years yeah. on Seventy Second Street. And I shared it with Peter Cohn, who's a great dear friend, and it was absolutely just a psychotropic pit. We, it, it's just we we never really moved in, and yet we were there for 17 years. It was just psychotic place and fantastic. But I, there's only really a couple people that ever came there that I would ever invite there because it was really disturbing for people to come there while the shit was on the walls and everything yeah. like that. I now I, I let it go, and we got kicked out, and then five years went by, and then I needed an office, a very little commercial office space on the west side. And I went back, and all of a sudden, there was an office available in the same in the Manassi's Professional Building, and I now have the complete. It's it's two floors up, but it's the identical floor plan. I have the absolute identical floor plan, wow. but I have the pimped out total solo version of it. So, it's um, it's lovely now. It's lovely now. Yeah, and it's also I'm looking down at the same. There's one family that's this anyway. It's uh, it's very that's, bizarre. Uh, that it's must strange. Have been, yeah, weird. To kind me. of. I, I thought, is this a retro move or is this a positive thing or is this comforting? It actually, uh, it was. It's turned out to be a good place say, to work. Just, well, you talk about it. You said a thing to me a long time ago um, about, and I think it's a great thing for artists to hear that sometimes you'll uh, that one of the big tricks is to just get yourself in a place where you feel special enough to create this thing, whatever it is. You said like something. I think where you how you the space is vital. I had an office. I took an office for. Uh, an interim period uh, uh, after duplicity and before uh, born, and I took this apartment and I set up this space station desk. I I, I made this whole nesting you know thing, and 
And, uh, man, I, I couldn't work there. I had the desk facing the window and this whole, and I was there for very painful, very painful, like five, six, seven months there, really unproductive, really like uh, bad, bad, bad scene. And, and one day I came in there, I go, I can't take it anymore. I put the desk against the wall. Two days later, I was like, wow, I'm like, I need to be, I don't want to look out the freaking window when I'm working. I don't want my ideas flowing out the window. It was like, wow, f- f- I don't know if it's feng shui or feng shui, but feng shui is like, I believe in it now. I was like, the I just put the friggin' desk against the wall, and I was like, now it might have been. It's, well, it's also, all self help now. I mean, it's, it's I know. Ways to, it's placebo effect, but well, anyway. But we hit, I mean, but I think there is something valid, you know, the thing you said about walking around. I was once stuck on something, and you were like, well, you got to just walk around the city to feel special enough to tell the story. And yeah, it's that's a, part of it. It's a form of like self hypnosis, right? To get yeah. in the head where. Rearranging the furniture in the hotel room. Yeah. I do that all the time, man. I get a hotel room. If I know I'm going to be there for a while, I'm like, I got to redecorate. You got to make it your space. Oh yeah, I've I've seriously redecorated some hotel rooms. Right, and a guy who does, <laughs> but a guy who does that, who decides to spend the first bunch of his year uh, li- life, you know, um, uh, writing scripts to somebody else's specs, is it's an it's an odd disconnect. But I never did that. Well, I always wrote them for myself. <laughs> that well, was my that was my that was my plus and that was my minus. I always wrote them for me. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't a good. I wasn't a good maitre d'. I was a very good co- partner, but a very poor maitre d'. I think. You mean when they would, but but. Well, I believe you would get to a point, but but wouldn't you? Um, I mean, how would you manage it then when they were when you were doing jobs uh, as opposed to things that were from your. You know, birthed by you. No, but I just mean I. I, I uh, even early on, I was very. Um, I was. I, I never. There's only been really like I'm serious. It's it's kind of shocking and and uh, but like in like I don't know eighty scripts, a hundred scripts, or how many things you've touched in, in in all the time. There's really only been once I've ever typed on my life, right? On any script, I never phoned it in on anything. I was behind everything, and if I didn't like what I was doing, I made damn sure even early on. Even I don't even know how I had to do it, but I would just go in and say, "This is." I was always that. Idiot! Wait, I you would go in and do what? The- I'd argue my point, and I'd argue it, and and if I couldn't, if I couldn't get there, I think on cutting edge. In my very first movie, I was so desperate sure. to like hang on to yeah, get a credit. Get By in, that point, I was I was really desperate to get a credit, and I and I didn't want to get fired. And I was like, man, if I can ride this through, this is so heavy. And and maybe I I lulled myself into something along the way, but but man, I've I can't stop myself from being a jerk. Well- <laughs> That's one way to say it. Um, I've seen that to be true, but uh, that's not that's not well, that's not the dominant characteristic. And uh, who among us can't uh, say that about ourselves? But but um, where do you think the the store of confidence um, in um, the in knowing how to tell a story came from? Then, if if early on when there were ex- supposed experts around, how did you know? Like, well. I see the way to tell this story, and I know this is the right way. Like, what what told you you weren't delusional? H- how did you know? Well, I, I mean, I love it so much. I yeah. just love it. I, 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 I love storytelling. I mean, it comes through. I hope it comes through in this this conversation. I mean, I really, I, I guess I'm. Um, uh, I, and I don't know if it's if it's genetic from from yeah, whatever thing happens yeah. from from that or whatever. But I'm I really really love storytelling, and and that's part of it. And and when I found out that I could 
do this and then get disciplined at it and learn all the tricks of it and the techniques of it and get strong at it. But the other part of it was that I always had an attitude, and I still I, I still do, and, and I think actually more now than I ever did. Um, I, I think if you if you um, and there's different ways to attack it, but I mean my approach is the highly I, I think the highly imaginative side of it. And if you're on the imaginative side of the of that spectrum, you're I'll take anybody's idea. I never had any propriety ever. Not even in the beginning. I don't care. I never saw a good idea that wasn't a bright shiny object to me. So it didn't matter to me if it was the, you know, the the producer's assistant or the actor who was an sure. idiot or anybody. I would I'll trade up constantly. You would chase the, the I better would trade idea. up and I was willing to trade up all the time. Now the people that are so problematic to work with in life are the people that are proprietary and territorial or, or have very few ideas. And then they, you know, they have an idea and it's like, oh, I had an idea. Oh, and they hold Whoa. on. Right. They hold- oh, I have an idea. Look. And it's like, wow, there's like a million ideas every minute. Okay, you had an idea. Is it the best idea? So I was always willing to go for the – so it always uh, sort of was kind of Aspergian in the way where I, like where someone wouldn't go for the best idea – whether it was mine or whatever, and they were most often mine. Of sure, course. <laughs> of course. No, but I mean, if you wouldn't go for the better thing or the or the the solve, it just was always so shocking. And and a lot of what we do, you know, a, a lot of movie writing, um, on the primary level is, is it, to me, it's math problems. It's it's it seems that way to me. It seems like blackboard problems. It's like, well, if you do this, this happens, and. You, she can't do this because she doesn't know that, and he can't do this. Sure. So look, you can't get there from here unless you do this. And you know, I mean um, that. Yeah, that's the. Prof- I mean that. That's um, so. That's the thing you can grind on in a way, right? And really think through. And um, but then the difficulty in dealing com- with with people yes. who don't get the clarity of that and and aren't willing to trade up for whatever is the better idea, or it's always difficult. And then I would leave jobs. I'm a great. I'm a famous quitter. Right. No. Well, that's. Hey, there are times. I mean, there's this great book I've talked about by this guy Seth Godin called "The Dip" about when to quit and when to keep going. And uh, it's really like there are definitely times to quit. But but when you would get to that point, I'd say like you know you said you're an autodidact, and I know that that's true, and I know what you mean by that. You were playing music, and then but you did you grew up. Your your dad um, is a great writer, mm-hmm. um, an award winning yeah. uh, playwright. Oh, I grew up in a writer house. Yeah. And what what do you think that uh, you gleaned from from that from from what it meant to be a writer or to live a life where you had to survive by your wits? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think that's exactly it. I think that's all you really get. I mean, you get you get dinner tables, you know, conversation. I mean, I, I think the illusion that you're 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 uh, you know getting some sort of holy grail of craft every night is is probably uh, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem that as, as valuable to me as the. What's really valuable is you learn the rhythm of the life. And it, it, I mean, I've never had anything in my entire life that wasn't paid for by somebody making it up. I mean, I had a brief period. I had, a, I had probably a, you know, an eight or nine period, uh, year period of my life where I worked grindy jobs and, and the rest of it. But, but other than that bridge, every, my father paid for everything I had and, and then I paid for everything I have. And everything I have is from making stuff up. And, um, that doesn't a- make sense. It doesn't make, it never, like, 
I, I walk around, I still walk around, and I'm obsessed with how people make money and the economics of my scripts are very, you know, I'm, I'm always obsessed with characters. But I still walk around and I go, God, you know, how does everybody get over? How do, like, they get a weekly check and how do people get paid? I always wonder how people get paid. And people look at us and they go, oh, you're circus people and how do you live from check to check? And this makes complete sense to me. So that's a really, uh, that's a very, uh, that's probably a, a very good uh, platform to to at least base your life on. It doesn't help you do your work, but the rhythm right. of the you life. You saw there's made, a way to... There, yeah, there's the rhythm a way to, of it made sense to me. And, and did, did what he was doing, the fact that he was engaged, because like, a lot of people, um, you know, their parents are going to jobs that don't offer a certain kind of engagement. Uh, yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of pain, a lot of pain too. I mean, I gotta say, I mean, it's... You mean uh, when a movie wouldn't work or... Well, my father was in the theater. I mean, my yeah. father, I mean, and I just saw Birdman the other, uh, two nights ago. Yeah, and I mean, too. I can't wait for my father to see... I, I, I just, I wrote a long love letter, uh, to Edward yesterday. And I actually, at the end of it, I, I put in a story about my father and I, I, I remember being like 14 years old and being in Sardis and getting the, you know, waiting for the New York Times review to come off the oh. ramp and like crushed and going and walk, walking it off with my dad for like two hours in Times Square not saying a word just walking it off at 14 like so I mean it's it's I it ain't easy you know you, it ain't easy and you knew that I mean you think that's, oh yeah do you think totally. that's part, part of why you didn't it's probably why I've never it? written a play right <laughs> why have I never written a play well, your dad made movies too yeah oh yeah but he, if you asked him how to identify himself he'd identify sure. himself and his mem what's the name of his memoir Oh, he's written a couple. He did but for love and money. It's yeah. a, that's the one I read. That's it's terrific. Easy. And I high recommend for me is Frank Gilroy. Oh uh, man, his two books about and he and he wrote a he, what's, he, the, what's the other well, one? Well he took it well he's really fat he's been writing a journal. He's been keeping a journal for almost sixty years. Every single day, first cut every morning. I mean every single freaking day. So it's everything. It's everything in his life. It's everything in his professional career. It's the politics of the day. It's everything. It's all been donated. There's all these arcane rules about who can read it and when. And my mother's never allowed to read right. it. And we're allowed to read it like 20 minutes after the stroke of Harry Potter. And yeah, I don't know. It's got all these different things to it. But um, he's excerpted it uh, periodically. And he excerpted it uh, – uh, for one book, uh, all about independent filmmaking, about the independent films that he made. He, he actually originally... Oh, I didn't read that one. I read that. He originally yeah. did it for the Subject Was Roses. When they first published the play, he published his right. his diary entries about trying to get the play on. And and uh, so he's... he's he's. Uh, but you also watch the way that the, that, that writers um, could be treated poorly, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Which I think yeah. probably informed part of how you identify um, and support the idea of uh, writers to get, writers having some sort of um, collegiality with one another and supporting one another and the the idea of the union. No, oh, the union. Every, but but beyond the union, I mean, writers are really good to each other. Yeah. I mean, writers are really. Uh, um, I couldn't be happier being part of almost any community, and I'm almost as happy being in the presence of writers as anything else. Because, I mean, we're very. Um, we're very conscientious. By and large, we're really good citizens. We take care of each other. You're kind of rooting for each other. Everybody thinks it's this competitive like thing. I think directors are horrible to each other. My experience with directors and and directing is is very because you're very isolated. Well, I would say writers really do support. Yeah, one they another. really. It's a really great 
You I know, mean, I'll tell you, it's true. Like, you and I could have an argument about the way the Guild should do something right. and be pissed. And, you know, if you would have called me or I'd call you with a question about a script, it'd be like, oh, send it over. Yeah, and the professional... Cur- I just... There and is that, a tremendous amount of professional... But and obviously, I'm, I'm making a candy-coated version of it, but... but it oh, really yeah, well, other than exist. when credit is at stake, then writers no, can get No, but I mean... Uh, yeah, no, rough. exactly. I mean, all the, all the attendant difficulties are going to be... But there, what's but. interesting hearing you talk about that, which with uh, some sense of uh, idealism, is that... You know, you're, you're, the worldview that you, it seems like, landed on for a bunch of these movies, you know, for at least for five movies, let's say, four or five movies, is about dealing with the individual trying to grapple with the corrosive influence of the institution and the, both the internal and external pressure to compromise uh, the best of himself. Right. And, uh, and I'm wondering where that, where do you think that, that comes from because it's not like you did it in one movie it's like it's like you found it feels to me like you found a way to finally in your life to fuse your worldview with a movie's point of view and and i'm wondering how that instead of solving the math problems how that thing started to happen and why yeah i i think uh i think if you get right to the very bottom of it I mean, I have a lot of political views and they and they work themselves out in different ways but I, even more elemental than that and you, you can watch it any single day in the, you know, any day in the newspaper. You can watch it today. I, I think that human behavior, then the humanness um, and, and, and uh, the instinctive insecurities and needs of human beings leaks through everything. It, it corrodes. It's like, it's like, it, it's like uh, water in the gears. And it just, it ruins all the best intentions of every institution of every, you know, whether it's marriage or government or corporations, human behavior is just untidy and 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 really beautiful and complicated and just is inexplicably going to ruin any structure that you try to put it in. And that's I think that's finally where I where I end up on all of these things and I, I everything for me is a fail, you know, it's it's how things you, you know, I don't know. What do you want to? Entropy born as fail. Yeah. Born as a fail. You try to control people and mentally, you know, behavior control. It's a fail. And and Clayton is, you know, you try to, you know, you try to maintain a a, a corporate uh, conspiracy, and it's a fail. I'm really into the fail. I guess. Uh, yeah, but then the but the protagonist. I, I get. I mean, I get that as um. Well, yeah, the heroes, you're the the heroes system... aren't exempt from my fail theory. Well, I yeah, don't think. but 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 the, the the characters you find these characters, the audience finds these characters in uh, in the place after compromise. I um, think about that. Maybe. Well, certainly in Michael Clayton and Bourne, you know, he can whatever his reasons were. Um, the character is we meet him. Um, after he's a, he is a killer, um, and he has done uh, certain he has done right. certain things, right. right? He's I don't know. These characters have um. It seems like they've traded a piece of their best nature, and they then find a way to. Yeah, I don't. You know, I I yeah, I guess. I mean, do you not think about that? Stuff? I don't ever think about it. I never think about it. I, you know, it's it's funny because you know we, we talk about. It, my my brother's got this movie out. Oh yeah, we'll and like, talk no, about no, that. but I mean, it's it's germane to this. I'm not trying to like. T- well, no, I'm, I'm trying so to segue, but in that movie, I'm not yeah. trying to segue. But it's like my brother's going out to sell his movie, and 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 we sort of been running, you know, like 
I've been running my own private like academy all the way through the whole thing with him in a really personal way. Because you produced the movie, your the brother wrote the movie and directed and it. It's the first time he's directing, so he's having his sort of Michael Clayton. The movie is Nightcrawler, directed and written but by. Uh, I'm really Gilroy. not trying to like. I'm not trying to. But I said to him before, and I said, you know, he, he goes, well, now what do I need to know? Because he's going out to sell the movie. I said, you know, it's going to be really fascinating. You're going to find out now why you made the movie. You don't even know why you made the movie. When you go out to sell the movie, I said, it's, it's every time I've done it, you go out and you're selling the movie, and by the time you get like a week or so into all these junkets and interviews, you find yourself realizing like why you did it and, 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 and the reasons, your, your motivations for it and what you were really trying to say. And it's, uh, for me, it was always kind of shocking because I don't start off that way at all. I really... I really just try to get the people up and believe in the people and get with the thing. And I don't want to think about big things. I don't like to think about big things when I'm working. Oh, that's really interesting because some people start from a th- some people start from a theme. Even Richie, I don't know how you can do that. Like I don't Richie, know, it's impossible to. Richie me. sometimes starts from a theme, like Keith Fisher King. You know, I can't. It's hard oh. to understand how you'd start. Like I, I find it really compelling when I hear someone say it, and I get uh, like oh, I wish I I sometimes wish like I had the clarity of knowing. The message, even the story I'm trying to tell myself, um, um, the emotional journey ahead of it. But um, some, for me, sometimes it just starts with a world that fascinates me, like a universe that's uh, really compelling. And I'll go, you know, certainly with like the poker world or the insular world of high finance or someone's like, well, what are those? The, the question you're asking, well, what do those people say to each other when we're not there to listen to them? Yeah, I'm not shopping for a dream. I'm like shopping for the mattress, man. It's like, you know, it's like that's what I want. It's like I want the thing and then I'll like let it. Do it's and then you hope that you know enough. See, I think it's confusing for people. I think if you know enough and you believe enough, uh, I'm terrified of all the I'm terrified of all the wannabe screenwriters who don't have anything to talk about. Like if you don't believe in and you don't know anything, you're really left up to just the chalkboard. Then I think in many ways. So I think I I, I lucked out as I as I as I because I hit kind of late and 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 I really didn't come to this until. It seems young, but you were 27, right? I was 30 years old before I ever made a living doing this. I had a whole other career before, and I left. And I, I mean, I left my parents' home when I was 16. So right. by the time I was 30, I felt like I was, like I said, older than I am now. But I really kind of, I think if you know stuff, you gotta gotta trust that what you know and what you believe is gonna leak into what you do. So I never start with the big stuff. So you just trust that that's there in a way. You yeah. trust that the reservoir of. Um, that the reservoir of whatever is deep about it or or important to you about it, um, you'll find. Yeah, and look you, along the way. It, it, I mean, these things take so long when they when they go right. You know, they take so long. You have a lot of time to think about stuff along the way. So, I mean, I'm working on something now. I've been I've been stopping starting it for the last six months, and 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 I'm 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 aware of, you know. On, on a larger theme, what I might be trying to do. So I'm, I'm not I'm not completely blind well, to it, but it's not how I work every day when I go to work. Right. But if we look at your best, but if we look at your best work, like the work that you're the that you feel the most connected to, you know, um, I mean, I remember reading Clayton as a screenplay long, long before it was a movie. And I remember reading Duplicity as a screenplay long before it was a movie. And um, there it does in part, in part of those things, when you read them, it does seem to me like a guy talking to himself, like, about what matters to him. Wow, all right. Well, you, Do you not find that, like, I mean, especially look at where you were when you wrote 
Clayton, I mean, the opening monologue and just the whole movie where Clayton finds himself, the the scene at the house, you know, I'm the janitor. Uh, I'm just... I never, I only, I, I, I swear to God, I just never, I, I try to... I try to stay like 30 feet off the ground all the time. I try not to get too up there. Um, and maybe at the end, I, I, I don't know, some places along the way, maybe I, I try to get up there and, 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 and try to make sure it looks okay from far away. But I really want to be on the ground and trust that my navigation system about my beliefs and st- I don't know. It's, it's the people have to work. I never. The people have to feel legit to you. Oh, my God, yeah. They have to be completely... I, you know, I've said this so many times before. Every time people talk about, oh, screenwriting. I said, you really want to be a journalist. You want to be reporting. You want to be a reporter on a thing that really happened. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, like, have this thing in my head. I'm trying to report about it. Now, that's a facetiously silly... No, but no, there's I part have... of that that's really true, which is I want to really be... Let it start to go, and you're honing it, and it's day three. You've worked on the same scene three or four days in a row. But by the time you get to the fourth day of that big scene, you're kind of like you're so in it. You want to make sure yeah, you're reporting right. on it. Yeah, the it. moment that – I mean, when you get to those those yeah. those times, those scenes that, that you That makes it sound really – I don't really want to go that far. But anyway. Well, you already did. But no. <laughs> no. That's, you did it. No, the humble brag. No, I but – that's my new – But what – well, here's the thing, right? There are all these people, and I don't want to get into like a wonky screenwriter. Yeah, let's place. not do that. Yeah, but, but one of the reasons that, and so if you're not a screenwriter, I still think there might be something in this that is interesting because in every p- profession, there's uh, there are supposed experts and there's received wisdom. And well, you're cutting the mustard out of that right now. You're trying just hard doing, to. I know, man. Um, you're like. Uh, but when I look at. Uh, something like Michael Clayton, you know, you break so many supposed screenwriting rules. And, I, I, you know, how do you think about who's going to read the screenplay and what you have to conform to? And if you don't think about any of that stuff, that's like, how are you? Oh, I'm very. How are you casting the spell? Like, how are you casting the spell or how aware of you of, uh, of casting the spell versus like, um, you know, like, for instance, the moment with Michael Clayton and the horses, and I would tell people that, like, uh, uh, you know, big rule people say as well, you can't describe what you can't exactly see. And you spend a lot of time in that script talking about what's going on in, in Clayton's mind and in his feelings when he's looking at those horses. You know, I'm doing more of that than I used to do. I'm doing a lot more Good. of that. I used to look at that as a cheat, you know? I used to look at that as a cheat. Screenwriting books will say you can't do it, but you're... I think it's really important. Good. I mean, I, I think it's actually... Uh, I'm coming around to that more and more and more, particularly when I'm not when I'm writing for other people, when I'm writing on a, on a money jobs or whatever. I, it's actually really... I'd say, man, I mean, you know, a uh, guy who takes a lot... Ron Bass, you ever read Ron Bass scripts? Man, he's like always letting you know what's going on. Like, and it's kind of like... I know he's he's like I always when I read those scripts it's like I I always I read a script of his a pilot script and I thought it was like so great because it was like really letting me know exactly what was going on. You mean what he wants you to feel? Yeah, and, and it's be like you know of. what? Well, as long as the dialogue and the action isn't in contradiction to what you're seeing, it's like well, yeah, this is why I want to know this. So I think that that's partially true, but I'm also very I don't want to make it sound like. Um, uh, oh, I'm following my characters, and I'm into. I am absolutely, and I, I think I'm more craven than anybody I've ever met about holding your attention. I am. I am. It is my absolute 
poison kryptonite that you will not continue reading. I'm upset, and and I think I'm I think um, sometimes to my detriment, I'm I'm overly needy about hanging on to your attention on the page. Boring, I, you mean boring the reader? The I viewer. want you to just keep going. I'm desperate for you, that I will lose your attention. I'm so obsessed with losing your attention on the page. Um, and I, and I read other scripts, you know. I, I read, you know, you read some really great scripts and and uh, for great films, and you you, you see a, a a more relaxed approach, and 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 you see a more relaxed uh, uh, ask for people. And I and I'm always like, wow, I wish I could be that confident to like kick back on this, and and you know, I wish I could, <laughs> you know. Look at a Michael Haneke script, and you're going like, "This guy doesn't care if I'm oh, even here." That's, that's he the doesn't best care. That's the best reference of all time because he, his movies. I love his. I'm yeah, a well, huge uh, freaking uh, fan of his. Of, I, although I can't, like, I can't watch Funny Games, but the no, I'm like, but he's a giant. He's a, I just he's like a brilliant. obsessed with him in a weird way, but. He doesn't care if I'm reading it or watching it or anything. He like doesn't care if I pay whatever. I am so cravenly needy. Uh, sometimes, so so it's a it's a weird balance. I, I believe me, I want to hang on to you. I want you turning the page, man. I want you to know what happens next. So I, I can say that I'm at forty thousand feet, but I'm not worrying thematically. I'm I'm much more concerned with you moving forward. So it gives an energy. It's always given me an energy. I don't have a lot uh, of extraneous guess, okay, crap. Yeah, this in my is my. Script. I guess. Well, what you're saying about not thinking thematically, I, I have a, a few things to say. One, which is that. Reading Clayton for me was the most freeing experience because um, I was trying to write Solitary Man and uh, I remember reading that horse, the scene with the horses and knowing that a bunch of stuff I had previously thought and I'd already been doing this 10 years and made a bunch of movies and I read that and I thought, oh, you can do that. And I remember that the way you meet my that lead character in that movie i did this paragraph that i i would have written before for myself and cut right because i would have i felt it was a cheat and that if the audience couldn't see it and then reading your script made me know no 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 if you're going to try to convey that feeling in the movie convey it on the page why not convey it on the page and it was like a real that script Clayton and in screenplay form really changed the way that I would um, the freedom I felt and Dave too when we wrote scripts from that point forward. So who's the audience for this radio? Is this a screenplay geek out or is this like for general? It's for everybody and people like specific stuff too. Well I mean look there are the the cheat yeah. there are cheats in screenplays that are obscene. Yeah. I mean I get screenplays all the time. You get a screenplay to rewrite and I'll read stuff where people write you know battle scenes and fight scenes and stuff and they put it in four or five pages and I go you know what for me that's 20 pages that's 20 pages of stuff right there that you just put in like three slugs that's five pages in two slugs it's a half a page that's a legitimate you want to evoke the feeling. I, that's a cheat well it's a movie cheat it's a time cheat it's a whole thing is a lie there's all kinds of cheats in movies where and and stuff that you're saying you know and like there's a great thing in in adventures in the screen trade where bill sends a script out and he says oh and it's the greatest sunrise that ever happened and and i don't know who it was dick dicky attenborough or somebody says how am i supposed to show or or, or uh uh, uh, I can't remember who it was. Uh, George Roy Hill says, "How am I supposed to shoot the greatest, uh, uh, you know, sunrise in the history of cinema?" Th- that is, 
that is a little bogus. You, it's a little, you know, it's it. But if you're on, trying the, other, to, on yeah. the other hand, if you're trying to say what's going on with somebody and dive deep, you want to say what's happening with somebody at that moment or who they are. So they so the actor knows, so the reader knows, because you, you're so limited on the page. That, that, look, there's as we well know, there's so many things that work better on the page than they do on the screen. And there's so many things, so many more things that work better on the screen than they do on the page. And you can't really, you know, a tiny little slug in a script of a moment, of a camera moment, that can be so critically important to a film that just disappears on the page. And if, if you know when you're writing it that's important, you have to lean into it. You have to let the reader, you have to let the actor, you have to let the director, you have to let the, the cameraman, you have to let everybody know this really means something here. And, and I'm going to award this with a disproportionate amount of, of real estate on my script so that you understand that this is really important. And yeah, well, okay, so th- that makes total sense. But And I'll say that your, your question about who listens to this is that um, what people are hearing, what I'm hearing, it doesn't matter. The specifics are great for people who are screenwriters. But the fact is that um, if you're going to decide to do things that are unconventional in any business that you're in, in any endeavor, you know, what you're revealing, Tony, is um, the amount of thought and hard-won expertise that you have in this. And that, I think, is something that transfers across, like, all spectrums. Because if you've... I mean, just think about what you're talking about, the, uh, the, the impact that a little moment in a script has. Like, you've given this, you know, this matters to you. I've spent way too much time no. thinking about this, yes. I've been in a room for all but, these and years. And so when you started doing this, would, were you making a real study of it? Were yeah. you, how? How did you do that? You know, Danny and I, uh, what did we do? We, you know, Danny, Danny started first. He optioned a book while he was in college. And he and he wrote a script, and I was still playing music then, and I was in New York, and and I came down to New York with the. I started writing short stories, and I was trying to write a novel, and I'd had a bunch of life things that, <laughs> yeah, I I had these epic life changes at 22 years old, um, but I had, I had a house burned down, and I was trying to do all these different things, and I came down and and uh, uh, and once we really and and I was working on a novel, and I was ten, and I decided I'm not going to play music anymore really not going to play music anymore and turn my phone off. I'm not going to do any dates. I'm not going to do anything. I'll tend bar and I end up tending bar for a very long period of time. But in that time, we started writing uh, together. And, you know, to get scripts at that point was, you know, it was a little more complicated. But we just became obsessed with screenplays and how they looked. And, I mean, the devotion that we had to, like, the f- formatting. I mean, I-, I could literally geek out for hours about formatting and subtle, stupid things that, I mean, it's really like... Uh, but you mean you... I know a lot about screenplay formatting. I don't do anything on a page. I don't I don't ever do anything on a page that hasn't given a lot of thought to how it looks. You mean how, how it's going to be to the uh, eye of people out. grabbing it? Oh, man, I'm crazy about that. And from the beginning, you were like that. Yes. 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 I mean, I remember, oh, I can, I can, I mean, I remember, you know, I can talk about every single, you know, important style that I ever saw along the way that I ripped off and took over, you know, it's like, yeah, and man. we, so we got all these scripts and we became obsessed with it and we gradually, mutually in a way gravitated because we write, we both, I have a variety of, I have a variety Danny of weapons. Brother, yeah. yeah. It's like having a variety of, you know, Guitars I'll pull out for different sounds. There's a variety of different formats and tones that I'll use for a different script. And is and, that one of the early decisions you make in writing a, uh, in writing? Uh, uh, how how am I gonna? 
or does it just happen? Well, if you're writing for yourself, you're writing for yourself. Yeah, if you're writing for yourself, it's a very, it's a, it's a, you know, you know, you know how it is. You, the, the first thirty pages you spend, you know, six months on, and the last twenty pages you write in ten minutes. It's always, it's astonishing how. So it, you're finding it along the way, and and it's, um, it's actually a good governor on your creative process as you're. As you're figuring all that out, you're actually doing other work. But uh, yeah, it's really if you're look if you're working for a studio, if you're coming on something, then people want interior exterior, they want a straight up format. But even within even within that, I'll have a tone, I'll cop a tone. Am I really going to talk to you, right, or am cop- I going to be if I'm on like a really hardcore like terse? Uh, it's supposed to be a western. It's thing. I'm going to be like, oh, let's get really flinty on this. I'm not going to give you anything. Right. I'm going to make every every slug is going to feel like the movie. It's let's go for that. So I, I mean, I, it's really con- it's it's conscious and fun. Yeah, and you're aware you're a part you're aware of all pieces of it because I'm you become an expert that. in this thing. This is the thing I know how to do. Yeah, and you know, and clearly, <laughs> this is the thing I know how to do. Yeah, you yes. said. Um, Should I underline a, or not? Yeah, but it's I a valid. Know. It's a thing. It's a it's been a it's been a juicy thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's a thing that you still get off on, right? I do, I do, I still dig it. You still love the moments when you come up with the idea for the movie. Yeah, the big stuff is you know uh, the big stuff is the most fun. There's so many down days. There's so many bad days. Why? Because there's just so many bad days. I mean, there's just so many, and it's always been that way. It's it's just there's just the the yield is very. But to find a bad day. Oh man, the day where you just you go in, and, the day where you're afraid you're afraid to go to work before you get there. Mm. Uh, you haven't made the world, or you haven't made the thing that you're doing, or you don't know exactly. I mean, there's just so many bad days. You're afraid to go to work. You get there, you're still afraid. You mess around. You feel guilty. You read too many papers. You go online. You goof around. You go have. I mean, they're just bad days. You come home with nothing, and you just. I mean, it, it, that the yield. Uh, it's a. It's a. Um, you got to play the long. You got to play the long game. Poker players say the same thing. Can you've you, got to play the long game. Can you, I mean, that, that, it's an, it's it an, sucks, as my friend Seth Godin says, it's, it's an, really hard it's to an complain. infinite game. But yeah, it's, but it's hard to complain. Game. Oh, they're paying you, and you're like getting it. You got yeah, but it, it's no because the thing you're in you, it, it sucks. The thing that you do <laughs> is about trying to get the best out of your. You're trying to create magic. I mean, I know you're. It's yeah. almost like you're hesitant to say it here, but I've heard you say it out of here, so I know uh, you are trying to create a magical thing. Uh, yeah, but really. I mean, more than anything, my 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 thing now is I, I more than anything I just want to I I want to want to be there, I want to want to be at my desk, and I and I engagement I, you want to be engaged. yeah I want to I want the feeling of wanting to be there and I uh and and the 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 swings are greater and the binginess is greater than it ever was before I want to want to be there. And I'm uh, more afraid. The, the 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 days of being afraid to go there are more epic than they were before. What what uh what does keep you engaged? Like what what can keep you engaged or keep you wanting to be there? Man, if I have a scene, that, I, I'll, I'll goofball myself. I mean, right now I'm supposed to. I have a I have a movie uh, I'm working on, and it it's it's not a complicated movie in the grand sense. The, the 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 big piece the, the big stroke of it is pretty simple so I'm not worried about the ending or anything like that and I haven't really outlined it the way I normally would but it doesn't require that in some ways so but it's very it's very easy and fun for me to get into the scene work right you know I'll dive into scene work and I'll and I'll just have so much fun I mean that really engages me oh I'm just seeing good and it, it means I've made the world. and that's what I find again we're going to be completely screenwriter oriented here I, I find that the uh, 
I've now identified that the, the one of the reasons I really get terrified to go to work and the thing that makes me most anxious is it's it's really making the, the physical space in my mind, and it's the effort that goes into making the physical space. And so if I'm writing, a, we're, in a, we're in a little recording studio here right now. This is a very easy space for me to identify. So if I was writing the scene, I'd really have very little difficulty in, oh, Brian, it'd be like, wow, wow, that's a scene. But anything that requires any kind of complexity um, – it's almost like a construction project. The more complex the world is, the more imaginative energy it takes. And I can't write the scene until I build the room or build the castle or build the desert or build the spaceship. And so that's spaceship. the hard – that's the daunting part. And it's just part. like you go and, – and, you, and you're, you're beating yourself up for a couple of days and you're going like, why is this so hard? Why am I so bummed out? Why am I afraid to go to work? And you realize finally it's always the same old stupid lesson which you keep learning over I haven't made the world, and and and. and you mean I don't have, really know what it is enough yet. Yeah, I don't. I don't own. I don't I'm, own it. I'm bullshit. You know, it's that feeling. In parlance, of, yes, I don't I, own it. Right. I'm yeah. bullshit. I'm. I haven't yet. Uh, no, and you can't. I can't. I can't. Go, I can't start reporting on something that I haven't witnessed. So, until I build it. Yeah, I can't write it, and now, it's just can unpleasant. You, can you let the bad days go more easily now? Or you said they're more no. epic. You said they're more epic when you're, you're having it. You know. mean because you feel, I should be able to do this. I think it's, or I don't know. Or is it know that you don't want to waste your time? I think it's, I don't know about time. It's also I feel so I have so much opportunity now. I feel like I waste opportunity because I can do whatever I want. So I have so many, I have so many you know assets available to me, and I have so much access to power. It's like... I feel like wow, you're just wasting. Yeah, you could be you? making a movie to, uh, if you right. Got the I, made, why you am I not like making a movie every twenty minutes? So you, 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 it's your, it's, it's the, it's the sort of you feel like you're squandering, um, squandering momentum moment. that you've worked so hard to, uh, yeah, to get so, to. And, and then you have to fight against that and go. You know, um, there's a lot of reasons to want to be Woody Allen. You know, but, I mean, it's sure. a lot. I mean, it's it's so just awesome. Keep making them. It's awesome. You look at that. It's just. Whatever you think but, about Woody Allen, it's awesome. But the, there's but also I, a lot of movies I, I wouldn't want to make. I want to talk about your brother's movie in the context, though, of this question of, of worldview. Because, I, I, you know, what you said, and I believe you that you don't think about the thematics in that way ahead of time. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but... I don't think Danny did in his movie, and well, it's extraordinary because it's hugely thematic. Gigantic, enormously thematic, but... but but I do – I guess the question I have is this, though. When you're then allowing these characters to talk and allowing them to take these actions, how much calculation is in presenting them a certain way and how much are at that point? Because you've built the world. You've set this stuff in motion and you said you want to make them real. How much then are you just um, kind of letting go whatever it is you've learned about the world and all the time that's from – you said you got to know stuff like – you are it feels to me like um like you've built up this store of not just knowledge but of a point of view about something and then you're going to let that become manifest in this exchange that these people have i don't know then you just want to have fun and just people start talking and wow the girl in the doorway is really saucy and look what she just said and wow i really like her now and she's actually stronger i should put her back in the other scene and i don't really know i mean it becomes a big it's really hard to tell I don't know. That's a really that's a really abstract, difficult question to answer. You're really into down into like I don't know when you're leading. Like people say, oh, let my character speak, and they take over, and that happens. But at the same time, you are in many ways shaping them, and well, you know what you I'm want at, them what to I'm, say. But I guess what I'm talking about is like you're somebody who, even by your own definition, is like um, has spoken truth to power, has um, has seen that even if you say you'll take an idea from anywhere, you've seen um, the danger of groupthink on an individual's. 
um, you know, on an individual's uh, private mission to create stuff, right. and then you put these characters in these situations where that reality is reflected, like in so many movies. So I'm just wondering, I guess another way to ask it is, how f do you think we all are now? In what? In, in the like, yeah, in the war, you know, you look at the CDC stuff, like, how do you process... Man, I got to I, I I resist. I am really try I try to resist the I don't want to be I don't ever want to be the guy who says there were better days. I, I that's the guy I don't want to be. Right. I I I don't want to be that guy. I think if you pick up the newspaper, I think you just pick up the newspaper anywhere from any date in the 20th century, you're going to be shocked. I mean, everything was all the time. Sure. I mean, I and you grew think up in, that's our nature? Yeah. I think until we blow it totally, yeah. Right. And so you think this is just a progression and that can the, do you, but do you think that people like, do you think that there's the capacity still for people to engage with this gigantic stuff and um, affect anything? Yeah, I think there's a, yeah, I do. I, I do. I think, I mean, God, you're asking a really big question. I mean, I think everybody blows the, um, I mean, it's a I mean, question you're because asking. your movies about, your movies are about something and your brother's movie, which is about uh, uh, the media. Um, about uh, ambition, about what we really value in our society, about um, what we choose to um, be blind to, about the compromises that we make, um, the lies that we tell ourselves. And I look at that. You produce that movie and you help them create that movie. And it it's the next chapter. It is a logical next chapter. And it is the thing that I see as different in your movies pre the firstborn movie and post, man. It's and kind I, of fascinating. The guy, the, the, Danny's movie, and I won't because it's, it's coming out. But it's it's it's, it's going. Uh, I think this will be up probably October twenty yeah, eighth, and it's coming out he the thirty first. He wrote this script that's just like, and it's just one of those scripts. Every now and then, a script comes along, and every single. Per I mean, it was so it was difficult to get off because it's difficult to raise the money for a movie that's this, in many ways, sort of bleakly bizarre. And uh, and he also he demanded that he wanted to direct. He's a first time director, so there's there's that bar to climb. But it it, it happens so quickly because there isn't anybody who read it who didn't want to be involved in it. It's that simple and pure and great. I mean, I read it at three o'clock in the morning. I was like, holy, shit, I'm going to direct this movie. And I got up at, when I called him in the phone at nine. He told me he was going to direct. It. I was okay. Here we go. We're going to make it. And so and 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 other directors who will rename remain nameless. Um, you know, everyone was like, how do I, you can't you can throw I? your brother under the, no, no, you can't throw your brother under the bus, but I can. And it's like, it's so great. But so, it, but at the center of it, it, it's, it's a success story of a sociopath. It's a, sure. and, 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 and it's, it's, you, you, you become complicit with Jake Gyllenhaal's character through this movie until as he keeps cashing these permission slips along the way until you realize, oh, my God, I am like with Horatio Alger meets ten, Ted Bundy. I mean, this guy and he wins. It's a success story. Well, it's a monster movie, even it, though there's no monster. monster. Yes. There's no monster, but it's a monster movie. It's and I, fantastic. And, and I, I mean, it is one of the best movies I've seen this year. And that's, you know, I I was when I saw what it was about, I wasn't that interested at first. And, uh, you know, because the trailer um I don't. I, that trailer's a good trailer, but there are moments in the trailer that, after seeing the movie, I realized like uh, it well, didn't the, quite capture. We're the ultimate high-low picture. We're like we couldn't be more highbrow, and we couldn't be more lowbrow. Yeah, there's like a lot of both. greasy. There's so much greasy fun in it. It's really cool. But it's really um, it's about super, something. Oh my god! And that's a character 
that I have never, ever seen before, ever in a movie. Never been in the movie theater with that. It's sort of no, like... No, it's the character... What it is, is uh, the closest thing to the character in the book, The Killer Inside Me. But that character, the Jim Thompson novel, is... He's an outsider from the beginning. He's an outlier, he's, in a way. Who? who uh, and Jim Thompson's characters well, are always... he's a sheriff. But no, in, in The Killer Inside Me, he's a sheriff. And, right. And then, but, but it is... Um, it's somebody who is trying to present a certain face and who has this very other thing going on. And this movie, I'm not, I don't want to spoil it, but I will say it builds um, to a moment, a line in a, in a car that uh, Jake uh, says that is so hard for a filmmaker and a writer to earn. And it's so deeply earned. And it's, um, you know, the action in the scene is just a guy saying something to another guy in a, in a car. And it, it feels like a monster movie shock. And then some of those shocks come. And um, and, I, and I have to say that it is uh, it does take place in the universe that's a post-Michael Clayton universe when, when you can't actually stop uh, the momentum of the corporate, of like uh, what we're rewarding right now. But it's a guy that we asked for. It's It also has mm. to do with youth and internship and thwarted uh, opportunities. And it's a guy who wants to make it. And it's the guy that we asked for. He really is the guy we ordered. He's completely earnest. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He's he, He's telling everybody all the way through all the things that we asked young people to ask for all the way through. So we did this Q&A the other night. Yeah. And the guy, the guy very... Very sweetly and 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 you know honestly said you know the parallels of the between this and movie and Clayton and I go look I said wait a minute I said Clayton is is a restating of a Clayton is a familiar film Michael Clayton is not a fresh character he's he could you could go back to you know the verdict or you could go you could you could I could give you the whole lineage going all the way back of guys who've driven past the exit who who. Up. I said, and his self awareness is what makes him different. Th but yeah. this movie is completely different. And Danny, then, when he asked Danny about the morality of the movie, I mean, Danny said, "Look, this character is on his way to the boardroom. This character's this character is in the Wall Street Journal every single day. It's just pick him up. So if we do a sequel to this movie in twenty years, <laughs> this guy is no. I know that's true. Like, there's a there's a guy on. There's a guy on television now. Then I, this I will only tell you off the air. But he is. Uh, there's a guy on on the television um, every night somewhere who um, is on the side of good people would say you know, and some people would say no. But um, two people I know who know this guy really well, and who like him, have told me, and these are smart people who speaking clinically. Have said, oh, he's a actually he's a sociopath. He has no capacity for empathy. He doesn't believe what he's saying, and. When I watch this person and then watch your brother's movie, um, I can see the things that are consonant between these these things and how that guy could get there and beyond. And so it's definitely a movie people people should see. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about this thing you said about uh, how you, the opportunity cost that you feel like you're wasting. And I just wonder, you know, you always were because you would um, speak truth to power because, like you said, you'd quit and because – uh, you were dealing sometimes with idiots and you knew you had the right answer or you're early, early in your career. I wonder if now where the only obstacle is, I just wonder how much I you need to be I did not use the fighting. word idiots. I'm just going to 
sorry, no, go ahead. Oh, I mean, please. When right, I will say this. When screenwriters get together, <laughs> the word they use the most is idiots. Yes, that's the nicest that's word. That's the nicest okay, word they ahead. use about okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, executives. Sorry. And um, really, now you're going to be genteel about yeah, it? That's, I have that's to be not genteel. okay. No. Um, but, no, I just wonder if, like, this... Um, you got so much out of fighting to prove that you were that you knew as a like the story and i wonder now when there's not that much for you to fight except yourself if that's what's harder for you like what's the big force you're fighting against to try to get your vision across i think uh look i think there's a couple of things that are true number one you never work for you never work for yourself as hard as you work for other people and it's a it's just a horrible Realization, and I think every screenwriter faces that. I mean, we get to the point sometimes where you get desperate enough and hungry enough and freaked out enough that you work, you're killing it for yourself. But by and large, if someone comes in and says, hey, here's what you need for the week. I need this many pages. Show and tell. Here's your deadline. Man, you hit it. And you, and you, and you get to the end of the week and go, wow, why don't I work for myself that way? So this, the part of it's that. The other part of it is um, I think things have shifted so much and the movie business has changed so much, and the noise is so loud of everything. Um, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to do any tweeners. I don't want to do. I, I throw. I think I throw a lot of things away that just don't quite uh, get there. I think my. I think my self criticism is is um, is uh, highly highly calibrated, and and I. In some ways, it's probably better to just be out there, just throwing something against the wall all the time, because you end up, you end up doing stuff, and you end up. There's part of that. I, I don't. I've ended up in such a bespoke mentality that I, I really, everything has to be special, and I don't want to do. I don't want to. Nothing's a throwaway for me. Everything becomes important. So I think that's the combination of those two things, and I think also being satisfied. You know, I, I don't. Uh, you know, I think that. Uh, you know, being broke really helps you out. Yeah. I, what, well, what do you think brings you back still? Probably like getting divorced. You get divorced. No, your agent's always hoping you get divorced. Oh, sure. But I'm saying, no, what do you think <laughs> still brings you back now to go do? Like, what do you oh, think I have it all is that kinds keeps of games you going? I, oh, I have a million games I play with myself. Oh, you're, you're, you, you can be... You can be... I mean, anger works. Uh, glory works. Fear works. I mean, anything. I've played every single game to get myself in a chair and get motivated you could possibly ever play. And they're not, they're not original games. They're the games that every writer has played since the very beginning. And you still define yourself as a writer uh, more than as a director? Uh, I started to say I've allowed myself... After the first couple movies, I was like... I still, when I would sign my passport thing, I would still write screenwriter. I now, I've, I pretentiously write down filmmaker now, I guess. I feel like... I guess I am a filmmaker. And you know, now that we... I actually feel like it now. After producing Danny's movie and after all these years in the business, I actually realized that uh, more than anything, as much as anything, we really know how to make movies. I, I, there isn't anything about movie making, um, and, and there's pride in that. I have as much pride in that now at this point, and um, about actually so many years in production, and there's nothing about production that uh, is uh, mysterious anymore. So I, I, I will... I will uh, yeah, you, I, 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 I will consider myself a, yes, I yeah, will you say haven't, filmmaker. Uh, you haven't taken on somebody else's screenplay yet and decided to direct it. No, I never, no, I haven't done that, no. Would you? I, I, I mean, God, I would have done Danny's, I would have done, done right. Nightcrawler. I really was like, holy 
can't pass this by. I was like, man, I'm making this movie. For for three hours, I was making that movie. <laughs> and that must have been a great three hours because you knew, like, No, it was I'm actually really nice because I was like, my wife's asleep and she's going to get up in the morning because I, re- I couldn't sleep. And she's going to, and I'm not supposed to go back to work right away. And the movie shoots in LA, which is really inconvenient, but I'm going to have to do it. So at like, 10 o'clock in the morning, I would have to be arguing with her and convincing her that this is a really good idea and you really need to read this because it's really... So for three hours, I was doing it. So I don't know. If I read another script like that, maybe I would. I then you'd know. consider it. Yeah, and I've, and I've looked at some TV pilots. I looked at a lot of TV pilots last year and, and, and I came close to a couple of them that were good. Uh, and would you you'd write a, would you create a TV series? Oh, my God. Is that yeah. interesting to you? Oh, very much. I actually, Yeah, I mean, for sure. For sure. But, it, you know... Um, yeah, and Danny and I, Danny and I took a huge project out last year um, that you almost made. We and we had an offer for it, but we it had to be perfect for us. We were very persnickety about about how it had to be, and it was a, it was a huge life changing thing and and uh, very daunting uh, way. Hey, look, the, the the problem with the, the the TV stuff is it's it's uh, it's just so much hard work. I what do you? What, I understand that it's, it's hard really work hard work. To, I, I work on House of Cards now as a consultant, and I, I watch what Bo right. Wilmon's going through, and it's, it's just oh my god! You got to be really young and strong and really into it. As a as a last thing to yeah. to leave on, what um to people who are out there trying to do something, you know, creative, whether it's writing or anything else, how do you think? How do you think you figure out, and this is something I always try to figure out because people ask me, um, if you're delusional or they're just wrong and they don't see it yet that you're, you know, that you have it, that you can do it? Is it about just continuing to do the work? Like, how did you know I can do this thing? And how did you know along the way, no, 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 I'm right. If they'll just let me, if they'll just make the, I can, how do you stoke that, do you think? And do you think, how do you know when you should just go like, you know? I should walk away. Man, I don't. I, You know, it's such an incremental thing. It's so hard, particularly in screenwriting, because it's so expensive to see your work done. I think playwrights have a huge advantage. I think fiction writers have a huge advantage. It's the thing itself is sitting in front of you. It's so easy to get actors for a play to sit and, and do a reading. I think it's very difficult when you're a screenwriter. It's so abstract for so long, and you finally see your scenes play out, and you learn so much by seeing scenes play out and going to dailies and watching stuff happen. It's it's, it's it, it, For me, it was a, a really incremental process I think I and and you have to you have to have false delusion along the way. I like to, I think we've talked about this before. You, you 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 have to try to make a romantic version of yourself. And I still have to like. There's still times where I really have to say, "Oh my God, you know what? Uh, you you th- this is really f- magic. This is special." And I and and I got a lot of for this thing I said about living in L.A. I did some BAFTA thing, and I was like, because it. L.A., I never feel special in L.A. I always feel like I'm part of a machine, and, I, and I'm very good working there. It, makes, it gives me my appetite to work, and I'm very energetic, and I do a lot. I've written a ton of in hotel rooms in L.A., but I've never – I don't ever feel like – I don't ever have a romantic version of myself there other than as the craftsman. I love that. That thing, walk around until you feel special enough to tell this particular story is a great bit of advice. And the very last thing is, how did you know how good I would be in Michael Clayton? I mean, out of nowhere, you decide the guy was an camera. uh, He was a plumbing contractor, card player, and you had two of the three attributes that I need. The plumbing, not so much. Uh, Well, how do you know? (laughs) You don't know that. Tony Gilroy, uh, thank you so much for being here. Um, This has been uh, really great. And... uh, and you know what, man? I'm going to leave in you calling me a 
asshole, even though I control this and don't have to, which maybe tells us who the real is. Thank you very much. And uh, hey, if you want to find me, I'm Brian Koppelman at Twitter. Tony is not on social media. He's got much more, many more important uh, things to do than mess around uh, on social media. Thanks, Tony. See Nightcrawler uh, this Friday night, October 31st. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.